Good evening. Let's open with a word of prayer this evening. Father, we praise you this evening for your love. Even this morning as we looked at Matthew 1, verses 1 to 17, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and we beheld the faithfulness of God. So this evening we'll look to the birth of Christ, and we'll behold your love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a gift you have given us. How great your love. And how undeserving we are. And this evening as we turn our attention to this passage of Scripture in Matthew 1. May your spirit work in us. May you challenge us. May we be moved to worship as we beheld Emmanuel, God, with us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned this morning, we'll be in, or this evening, we'll be in Matthew 1 again, as we were this morning. And this time we'll be in the second half of the chapter. Matthew 1, 18 to 25, the birth of Jesus Christ. In 2010, I had the privilege to visit Israel with my grandparents. It was over Christmas break, and uh, they took us, uh, my brother and my sister and my cousin and I, on a trip over to Israel. And like I said, it was over Christmas break, so we left, I think it was December 18th, and we stayed to the 28th, and so we were, we were there over Christmas. And all, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever done. I, I praise the Lord for the opportunity, and uh, I would love to go back one day. But I remember, I think it was on about the, the 24th, on Christmas Eve, we probably pulled into Jerusalem. We had, we had flown into to Tel Aviv, worked our way north, uh, around the Sea of Galilee, down by the Dead Sea, and then we'd come up to Jerusalem, and we got there on Christmas Eve. And we settled into our hotel, and, and we got comfortable. And then the next morning, Christmas morning, we got up, Went down, got in the car, the shuttle van thing that we were in, and drove over to Bethlehem. It was early in the morning, and, and we gathered together. We went to this field, and it was on a, a kind of overlooking this, this valley with all of these fields down there. And we read the passages of Scripture about the, the shepherds in the field watching their flock by night. And we sang some Christmas hymns, and we worshiped, and we opened the Word, and we read. And then we got back in our van and we drove over to the church of the Nativity, the, the site where they believe that Christ was born. And it was a special Christmas. It was a unique Christmas. In a sense, it was sad to see all the empty religion, the people worshiping the place more than the Savior. But it was special to be there see it, to experience it. It was a unique experience. This morning we're going to read the story of that birth. The story of the birth of Jesus Christ as we see here in Matthew 
one. And it is a special thing. May we never grow bored or used to the story of Christmas. As we saw this morning in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, seeing the first half of the story, it's a powerful story. It's a powerful story of the faithfulness of God throughout generations. And this, this evening we'll see it's a powerful story testifying to the love of God. Join me through Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. As we work our way through this passage this evening, we'll see Joseph's realization then we'll see revelation, and then we'll see adoration. Realization, revelation, adoration. First thing we see here in verses 18 to 19 is realization. Verse 19 begins this way. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Having established in the first 17 verses who Jesus is and where he has come, to, come from, his background, now Matthew moves into his birth. It happened this way. This is how he came. To kind of give you a picture of the flow of where we are in Matthew, Matthew verse 1 starts with an introduction. This is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. Then he gives the history, and now he comes back to this one. And he gives the story of his birth. It was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Notice that phrase there again, here in verse 18, his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph the same pattern we saw in the first 17 verses. It's, it's Joseph who's married to Mary who is the mother of Jesus. It's an important distinction because as we will see in verse uh, 23, the fulfillment of prophecy of, of Isaiah 7.14 that the virgin shall be with child. So Mary, who's the mother of Jesus, is betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal 
It was an interesting practice. It was similar to our process of engagement when we get engaged, but it was greater than that. It was stronger than that. See, betrothment, those who were betrothed were considered married. Legally, they were considered married. In fact, in order to break a betrothment, you had to get divorce. You had to get a divorce. That's how strong it was. In fact, notice in verse 19 how Matthew refers to Joseph, then Joseph, her husband. They're still betrothed at this point, and he refers to him as her husband. So, when you, when you see this, when you see the fact that they were betrothed, don't, don't think they're, they're just engaged. This is an easy break. No, they're legally, in that culture, they are married. They're just in a stage of marriage where they're not yet living together. The way it went was they would get betrothed. And then the husband, the man, would then go away for, an air, for, for a while. Sometimes up to a year. And what he would do while he was gone is he would prepare for their life together. He would prepare their home. He would get things in order, get things set up, and then he would come back to get his wife. And then they would go off. And they would consummate their marriage. And, and often in this time when they were apart, they had very little, if any, social interaction. So that's the, the stage in the relationship that Mary and Joseph are in. Likely this marriage has been set up. Likely they don't know each other that well. And they're in this stage of betrothment. Notice the next phrase. His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. I think there's a sense in, in, in which the clear, uh, what it's getting at is sexually they had not come together, but, but I think it, it refers to in the betrothment, they were still in that section of when they were apart. They had not come together. Joseph had not come back to get his wife. They're in this section of marriage, this betrothment. So they're in this time in their life, this time in their relationship, and she's found with child. It's an interesting way to phrase it. She's found with child of the Holy Spirit. She's found with child. Kind of makes me wonder how this all went about. And the angel comes to Mary and he says, you will have a child. Does she know when that happened? Or is she just watching? Is she just feeling her body to see, am I with child? Is the signs there? Whatever it is, she's found to be with child. It, it comes true. What the angel said, she is with child and she is found to be with child. Notice the role of the Holy Spirit in this. He's active. He's working. He's doing something. And you, and you see the, the Trinity even in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. You see the Father who sends the Son, the Son who comes, and the Spirit who works on behalf of the Son. She's found with child of the Holy Spirit. She's found to be with child not by human effort or force. She's found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. The 
pre-existent one, the second person of the Godhead, has entered her. He has become flesh. And this is beyond our understanding. We can't wrap our minds around how this has happened. But this is how it's happened. And all we're told is of the Holy Spirit. So she is found. She realizes it now. Joseph realizes it now. And in verse 19, we see Joseph's response to this this shocking, this devastating, in his time, as he comes to this realization, this devastating news that his wife, who he has been betrothed to, who he has left, who he's been working hard to prepare a life and a place for, is pregnant. She's with child, and he knows He knows that he's not a part of this. I think Joseph really cared for Mary. I think he loved her. And you'll see as we work our way through this passage, I I think it's clear in this passage by the way that he treats her in this. Look how he's described. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, He's a good, a loving, a caring, a righteous man. He's a good man that he's not want to make a public example was minded to put her away secretly. I think often we read over the story of the, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We just read over these parts about Joseph and Mary. But let's take time this, this evening to put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. You've been betrothed to this woman. You, you care about her and you've left and you're preparing this place for her. You're preparing a life for her. You're working hard for her. And now it comes to your attention, she's pregnant. We think of the, the feelings inside. He has no idea at this point what's going on. He has no idea at this point that it's, it's the Holy Spirit who has done this, that, that she has been faithful, that she is pure. And so Joseph is wrestling through this. He's described as a just man. I think you see that in his reaction to this news. How would you respond? Notice how he responds. He doesn't want to make a public example. He wants to put her away secretly. I think that right there tells us that he cares for Mary. He could have made a public example of her. In fact, according to the law, he could have drugged her out in front of the city and they could have stoned her to death for her supposed sin. This would have accomplished several things. This would have made it very clear to those in Bethlehem that that Joseph was innocent. I had no role in this. Mary's the problem. I am pure. I am good. Look at me. But his thought here is not about him. It's about Mary. He doesn't want to make her a public example. He's minded to put her away secretly to deal with the divorce in secret and to move on. 
fact, moving into verse 20, when he thought about these things, it's clear that, that Joseph, finding out this news, he does not react harshly, does not react immediately. How many of us would, would react in that way? Finding out something like this, how would you, what would be your, your immediate reaction? But Joseph takes the time to think this through. He wants to react rightly. He wants to honor God. He's a just man. He wants to treat Mary rightly. So in these first two verses, Joseph comes to this realization that his betrothed is pregnant and he has nothing to do with this. Then you come to the revelation. Verses 20 to 23. As he thought about these things, as he sat down and considered the current predicament in which he found himself and how, and how to handle this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. We've put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. Now let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes. Imagine this. This angel comes to you and tells you this news. And you're beyond yourself. You, it, it takes you a while to, for it to sink in what I'm being asked of. What is happening here? But when you come to that realization, then you start to think, Praise God. What a privilege. But then it starts to sink in. What's my family going to think? What, what's my husband going to think? How am I going to explain this away? The explanation of the Holy Spirit did this to me, that just doesn't work. No one's going to believe that. So she finds herself in a, in a blessed and yet hopeless situation. Here in verse 20, we see the grace of God to speak on Mary's account. It was going to take a work of God to keep this marriage together, and that's exactly what God does. He steps in and he speaks on, marriage, uh, on Mary's account. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, and he says, Joseph, son of David. It's verses 1 to 17. It's been proven. He is the son of David. We know who he is. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's exactly as she told you. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And here the angel says, she is of child of the Holy Spirit. Mary, who, who likely felt alone. No one else would believe her. And now God has spoken on her account. Now there's someone else who knows. What's interesting is here in this verse, the angel of the Lord says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. This is just my as I read this, the way in which I see this, this might not be so, but, but it seems to me here that Joseph, the longing of his heart was to take Mary as his wife. Because the angel doesn't say, 
Joseph, you need to do this. He says, don't be afraid to do this. I think this indicates the way he treats Mary, the, the way the angel speaks to him here, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, speaks to the fact that Joseph cared about Mary. He loved her. He wanted to do what was right. Don't be afraid to do this. You are not in the wrong. Because Mary is pure. She is right. She is good. This is not her doing. This is my doing. Don't be afraid of legal consequence, of, lo- of, 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 of public scorn. But trust me. As Mary has trusted me, so you, Joseph, trust me in this. Don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. She will bring forth a son. This is going to happen. And and look at the next phrase here. And you shall call his name Jesus. You, Joseph. This is what you have been chosen. This is what you have been called to, Joseph. This longed-for, anointed one, the seed, the Messiah is here. And God is calling you to parent him. What a, what a responsibility. You shall call his name. You shall be involved in this. You shall come alongside Mary in this. You shall call his name Jesus. We look this morning at the fact that Jesus means the Lord is salvation. That's exactly what we see here. You will call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. You will call him Jesus because he will save their people from his sins. It's a foregone conclusion. This will happen. This is his mission. This is why he has come, and this is what he will do. He will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. What an astonishing truth is in that name, that God has come to us. Many people have made the comparison that that religion is all about trying to get to God. But really, God has come to us. And what an astonishing truth that is, that God would stoop to come to us. I've talked before about the two names in this passage. I think last year around Christmas time, we spent time looking at Emmanuel and Jesus. The fact that in order to be Jesus who will save his people from their sins, in order to accomplish that mission, he had to be Emmanuel. He had to be God with us. It's because he is God with us that he's able to save his people from their sins. Notice also in verse 22, the specificity, the purpose in which God acts here. All this was done for a purpose that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord through the prophets. God always fulfills his word. No matter how 
small, minimal, impossible, or great it seems, God is a faithful, promise-keeping God who always fulfills his word. We see that here. In the virgin birth, Isaiah 7, 14. All this was done for this purpose, that it might be fulfilled or spoken by the prophet, saying, a virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, they will call his name Emmanuel. We come to verse 24. We see them adoration. Joseph at first reacted to what seemed like the right reaction to a situation in which he found himself. Now God has come and he's revealed the true situation to him. So as we come to these verses, verses 24 to 25, the question is, how now will Joseph react? Now that he has the full story, now that he understands, how will he react? Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He did. He embraces what God has called him to do. He reacts rightly. He goes forward. He continues on. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took to him Mary, his wife. I love the immediacy of this. It it seems that, that he wakes from sleep. He's had this revelation from God who has said, this is what has happened. This is what you must do. And Joseph doesn't... I don't, it doesn't say here in the passage, but, but I imagine in my mind, I imagine Joseph not, he doesn't worry about finishing the house. He doesn't worry about, about all these little temporal things that he has to do. He gets up and he runs to Mary and he says, let's come together now. Let's get together. Come, live with me and be my wife. It seems to indicate that Joseph fully takes on the role as husband to his wife. But, He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. He supports her. He brings her in. He takes care of her. He takes her to be his wife, but he does not know her till she has brought forth her her firstborn son. He's careful. He's thoughtful. And I love the way this passage ends, and he called his name Jesus. Exactly as the angel said, you will call his name Jesus. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, imagine knowing the meaning behind that name, not just the special meaning of the name, that God is salvation, but that this is the God who will save. Joseph shows his love. He shows his care. He shows that he adores Mary, that he adores God, and he reacts rightly. He testifies to his love for Mary and to his faith in God by his response. A couple closing thoughts. God knew how Joseph would respond. When the angel of the Lord came to Joseph, God wasn't wringing his hands, hoping 
I hope that Joseph will accept this challenge that I'm giving him, I'm calling him to. God knew exactly how Joseph would respond because God had formed Joseph and molded him through all the circumstances of his life, preparing him, bringing him to this. Because this is what God had called him to. This was not a last-minute decision. And so we see the wisdom in God. The purpose, the sovereignty, the providence of God in His timing and in His choice of people. There's not many couples who would both respond in these ways. But Mary and Joseph do because God had called them to this and prepared them for it. As you come to the end of chapter 1, this is not the end of the incarnation. It's not a story that ends with the miraculous birth. It's not even a story that ends in death. It's a story that ends with resurrection. A story that ends with, with victory. A story that ends with this Jesus accomplishing his purpose to bring salvation to his people. It's a testimony to the love and the grace and the wisdom and the sovereignty of our good God. And as you look at all of Matthew 1, you see it traced from, from all the way back from Genesis 3.15 to God's promises to Abraham through the Old Testament, family after family, generation after generation, down to Joseph and Mary. And you see the goodness of God and the love of God to send His Son and His perfect timing to His perfect chosen couple this pe these people to accomplish his purpose. God knew what he was doing all along. And the story of Christmas is not about what you can give God, but what God has given you. It's about this Jesus who has come, the Savior who brings salvation, Emmanuel, God with us. The question is, this morning, this evening, do you know him? He is Jesus. He does offer salvation to all who will believe. The question is, do you believe? I don't think that it's right to look at the Christmas story and not have a call to respond in salvation. Do you know Him? Do you trust in Him? Have you now been confronted with the truth? Will you respond rightly? How will you respond to Him? To Jesus, who will save His people from, his, from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. God who has reached out to us. How will you respond? I would encourage you this, this evening, if you don't know this Jesus, even as we close in song, come forward. I would love to take a Bible and take you aside 
and show you how Jesus can save you from your sins, what he has done for you. No matter how old you are, just come. We're going to close by singing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.